Hey, my name is Jed. Welcome to Church and Other Drugs. I just recorded two minutes of an intro on the wrong thing. I recorded over some music. So I hate when that happens. I hate it so much. Uh, I, I was, you know, I made it just pretend I made all the best jokes on that one. And uh, um, enjoy. I'm very tired, is what I said. The child, she she keeps us awake, uh, but she's great. She's doing great. Um, it's Christmas in like two weeks. I have, I got uh, nothing planned, man. The, you know, things have just, things have gotten out of whack. Uh, here comes my cat to try to get on the podcast. Get down, kitty. Get down. Um, lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. Uh, today's episode, we have Dana. Uh, oh, God. I just forgot his last name. Bolin? Yep, that's it. Dana Bolin. God, I'm I'm the most prepared. See, I'm not even I'm gonna leave that in, dude, just to let y'all know that I'm I'm real. You know, sometimes I'm not prepared. Uh Dana Bolin from Two Week Notice Podcast. We randomly got um got introduced to each other through Kevin Mang, our best, the greatest person Evan. Shout out Kevin. Uh he Anyway, I'll tell you how he met. I don't want to give it away in the interview, but I had to do a podcast and I helped him out. And here we are doing an interview. Dana from Two Week Notice. Uh, he interviews musicians and tour managers for Pieball. Um, it was a lot of fun getting to talk to him. So I hope you have a lot of fun listening. And uh, next week might be one of my more controversial episodes. Uh, recording with Kenan and Andrew. So get ready for that. See, I don't edit like at all. I don't yeah. edit well. I well, so I edit. So this, I do. I do an intro with background music, uh, and then I do a song at the end. But as far as like the actual interview, dude, I don't edit that shit at all. I, I think I discovered that I have like OCD through editing. I, I've always kind of known, I guess. Like looking back. And I've had people tell me I do, 
but I think it comes out the most when I'm editing. I'm very like, I don't know, neurotic, I guess. Like I want you, it to be perfect. Like I, I spend too much time on, it can take me like an hour just to get through like a five minute segment or something. You know what I mean? Are you, are you like taking out all the ums and likes and us? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I, I did that. Uh, I did that at first and then I just gave up. I just, I couldn't do it, man. Um, I just don't have the, I don't have the time. Well, I, I could make the time, but no, I, I just, you know, I just kind of roll with it. Let it, let it be a raw, a raw deal. But, uh, I have, I have a bunch of friends that are way more OCD about it. And yeah, it take, that's why a lot of people have someone to help them do it. Cause that alone is going to take two, three hours, man. It can. Oh, more than that. It takes me. It it can take me upwards of almost a full like work week to do one episode. I'm not even kidding. That's if, yeah. If you if you include the actual talk, if you include, you know, posting on the socials, uh, adding the intro, then I gotta edit the intro. I take out like the breaths and everything too, because I don't know. Once I discovered how clean an episode can be, and then if I were to like listen back to before I edited as thoroughly i like cringe it's like i can't uh, hear that stuff anymore that's true and, and I, i've also talked to other people and i notice it now in other podcasts like the really super pro ones a lot of them i find like if you listen to like mark Marin, there's no breaths in his there's no you know it's so clean so i kind of strive for that and i'm at the point where i don't want to put it out unless i'm really happy with it like at, from I don't know, just overall. I don't manipulate the conversation or anything. Sure. If I if I ramble too long, I'll cut I'll cut me babbling out maybe. But you know what I mean? Just to clean it up. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, so I guess for introductory sake, so it's hey, uh, hey. uh it's Dana. Dana? Yeah, yeah Dana. Dana Boo. Dana. Dana Boo. Um, and from Two Week Notice podcast. Yes, from the Two Week Notice podcast, I interview musicians. Mostly every once in a while, I'll get like a comedian or something on, but yeah, mostly like the, the touring and like a emo hardcore world, you know, stuff, punk stuff like that. So and, you uh, said, you yeah. said you're get, getting ready for a tour. Are you in a band also? Yeah. So I tour manage a band called Piebald. That's right. That's Piebald. right. Uh, yeah. They're from Boston. So I'm their tour manager, cowbell player, merch guy. I do their Instagram I'll drive the van, whatever they need. They're the best. But I tour with other bands too, um, as like a merch guy or box truck driver or both. I tour with the Front Bottoms. This year I've toured the Front Bottoms thrice, Bayside. Um, last year I toured with the Story So Far. I think I'm going out with Hot Rod Circuit next month. But yeah, Piebald, those are my dudes. Dude, so how, so how old are you? Uh, 38. Okay, so we're close. I'm 36. So what was your uh how did you get into this into this world? Where where are you located? First off, do I detect like a a, a northeastern accent going on? Boston, dude. Boston. Okay, yeah. there we go. Nice. I was just in uh I went to Boston to go see Cigarettes um at the uh the Wang Theater. Oh, Is cool. that right? Yeah, I've sold yeah. merch there. That sometimes sometimes incredible. I saw merch for like comedians and yeah was it good oh my god it was yes i Where mean literally I, i'm in i'm in louisiana so i 
literally i only went to boston to see cigarettes because it was they they toured like six six cities this tour with a full orchestra again so yeah and i have a buddy that lives in boston so it just worked out so our singer of piebald travis he lives in new orleans he's been there for oh no kidding probably almost 10 years now yeah him and his wife yeah i did not know that i was there last year for his wedding new orleans is great new orleans is great it's it's a few times New Orleans is New Orleans. It's its own uh it's its own beast for sure. I have I have like some of the worst memories of my life and some of the best memories of my life in New Orleans. It's just That's where uh when I the first full US tour I did with Piebald, they're like, "All right, Dana, we're in New Orleans. This is it was like Super Bowl Sunday, so like I mean, I guess people are always partying cuz we were like downtown or whatever, French Quarter. And uh they're like, "Dana, this is where you got to play the video game. In other words, like, just like if you like get jammed up talking to the wrong person, you get like stuck, you know? Uh huh. It's like, I don't know, equivalent to um, like Mario. You got to like jump over the yes. Goombas and shit. So yes, was, dude. So that whenever we're in like a weird, sketchy part of any town, you know, it's like, all right, all right, boys, video game time. And uh, oh, that's hilarious. New Orleans is definitely one of those where it's like, you know, just keep moving. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. My favorite. So there's tons of uh, there's tons. I'm sure in Boston, too. But the um, like the the local street scams where someone would just walk up the the best one. It's just like, hey, uh, for 20 bucks, I'll tell you where you got them shoes. Right. And it's like I've never seen that in Boston in my life. Oh, what? But I've seen it. That's a, a, I don't know, New Orleans. Like, people will just pull you aside and just try to. Try to hustle. Yeah, you. just do weird shit. I'm like, why are you even talking to me, dude? I'm busy. Yeah. Fuck off. They'll, 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 try, they'll try to get you to, uh, to like, get a picture taken. And then as soon as they do, they're like, all right, it's 10 bucks. I'm just like, what? I didn't even want to in the first place. They're like, well, it's too bad, man. I took a picture, 10 bucks. Yeah. That's yeah, funny. Um, anyway. Anyway. Yeah. So, well, how did to, you. Oh, no, go I'm going to. I'm going to flip this real quick. Go for it. Um, I was trying to figure out exactly how we connected. Mm-hmm. You know, you, because I was having an issue with my podcast and the distribution, and you replied to my story, and you really helped me out, like, getting through something. I'm still working on that. We don't even have to talk about it. But I was like, wait a minute. How did I connect with this dude in the first place? I'm not, Usually, if someone follows me, I'll, like, follow them back or whatever. But I, I couldn't pinpoint exactly what it was. Do you know? It was Kevin Mang. You know oh, him? Yeah. So I love him. So all right. So I'm in the how do I, I think I met Kevin through Bad Christian. You familiar with that at all? That the Emory yeah, Boys. Yeah, I love I've had Matt Carter on the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love uh those guys. Yeah. So I knew Kevin from that, and then and then we kind of switched over to the Furnace Fest community. And Kevin posted on his story, hey, my buddy. And I've I've seen you, like, because, you know, if, if you're in that world, like, I've seen two-week notice, I've seen you come up here and there. And uh, cool. Kevin posted, hey, my buddy Dana needs help with this podcast thing. So, yeah, it was just a complete cold reach out from there. So we can thank Kevin for that. That guy is always a giver, man. He helped me out big time, uh, like, actually at Furnace Fest this year. Cause I was on tour with the front bottoms and I like took a weekend off from that tour to go down and do furnace fest with piebald. So I like flew from Chicago down to Birmingham 
did Furnace Fest, and then after the weekend, I flew up to like Pittsburgh to catch back up with the tour. So I I just like couldn't fly around with all this merch. And long story short, I, he grabbed it all for me and brought it to North Carolina, and I Jeez. picked it up like two months later because uh, I was driving a box truck through there on tour. So I drove through and like stopped at it, took a detour, stopped at his house. This was like a month ago. Threw it yeah, all he. All of my he, truck for me. And he's like at Furnace Fest itself. He'll park his car like in the parking lot and let everybody know in the like community in the Facebook group. He'll be like, yo, if you, if you need a break, here's my, this is what my car looks like. Come by, charge your phone, grab a beer, hang out. Like if you just want some shade, just kick it. Like he's just like, he's a sweetheart. I he is man. awesome. He is an amazing human for sure. Yeah. absolutely for sure yeah so that's that's and i so this i'm a huge the, the best thing that podcasting has introduced into my life is completely completely random internet friendships like that is you know for all the the shit that social media and the internet has caused i will say i have just the craziest most random relationships with just people I never some a lot of them I still have yet to meet in real life, but I have actual relationships with them. So I love when shit like this happens. It's just the funniest thing to me. I think like anything else, you know, the internet is a tool. So it's all how you use it, you know. A lot of bad does stem from it, but a lot of good has stemmed from it too. So just like the, anything else, I think, you know? Yeah. The the bad for me is is my just habitual doom scrolling or just scrolling in general like yeah. it's such <laughs> a hard habit to break man i know dude i spend like you know how you can see if you like look in the analytics for instagram or on your iphone or whatever it'll tell you how much screen time or how often you're on instagram i, I can't even look at that shit because like, oh dude i, I have and i'm like oh my i can't i, I'm, I like i refuse to click on it i don't want to see it because i know it's bad it's really bad Dude, my av I'll say it, man. My average last week was eight hours a day on my phone. Eight hours. That's the average. I mean, I'm the same. Like, dude, I'm wait. Um, falling asleep like with the thing in my hand half the time. I know. You know like, I know. And waking up, you wake up. What's the first thing you do? You know, check you, it. I know. Like, I can't even leave the room without the thing. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. You know. Uh, that's why I love like I snowboard a lot. Oh, nice. And I'll bring. I'll bring out my phone because I'll, I'll put headphones in. But I guess on the chairlift, I'll I'll like check my phone. But e yeah, even then, right? Like even on the chairlift, it could be zero degrees in a blizzard, and I'm still like fucking checking yeah, that thing, which is ridiculous. Dope. It is ridiculous. And like you know, we we in high school, like we didn't have that, right? So we remember totally. both. Uh, yeah, dude. Dude, you so said, much different. You're 36? Yeah. So you grew up in the 90s as well. Were you born? Yep. 88, 87? Uh, 87. I'm 85. Yeah, so I, we were the last generation yes. to to live without the internet. I mean, the internet was around, but not. it wasn't. It you was know. you pay by the hour. And even that, like, it was just very archaic still. Yes. You know? It, it wasn't. Angel Fire websites. Like, we grew up with, you know, just going out, knocking on someone's door, or having to use a payphone, or having to actually use like a real map. Like when I first got my license, I had a map book, you know? 
And then MapQuest came out Map shortly Quest. after that. But even before MapQuest, I had a map book. And like, I remember driving a warp tour and like when I first got my license. And it was the first time I drove through Boston too. I got lost. I was going down one ways. It was terrible. But I had that map book, you know? And I don't know. I figured it out, I guess, because I got yeah. it at some point. <laughs> I, del- I delivered pizzas when they just had a giant map of the city on the wall. And so you'd get your address and you just go to the wall and just figure it. But I tell you, you know, like I knew the city like the back of my hand. And yeah. I cannot say the same these days. Um, yeah, it's there's a, that movie on Netflix just came out. The new Sam Esmail, Esmail, the guy that did Mr. Robot. It's called... Um, leave the world behind like one of the things is like the technology fails and ethan hawk is like dude i'm a useless man without my without my gps and google news and all that and i was like oh god that's a i don't want to be that um so going back that's a good segue to high school (laughs) so what yeah what was what was little dana like what was growing up like for you and how did you kind of steer into this life of, of tour managing and doing the scene professionally? Yeah, it's a good question. I'll try to sum it up uh, thoroughly, but you know, efficiently, I should say. Um, I grew up in Lynn, Massachusetts, just north of Boston, right next to Salem, you know, which city. And, you know, I grew up on rap music. I kind kind of grew up like in the hood, to be honest. And it wasn't until like high school that I listened to anything other than rap music. Although while growing up, I had a sister, have a sister who, you know, she had a bedroom next to me and she was born in 81. So and she like she went to Woodstock 99. So she was always downloading uh, music into my brain. Like if you look at that Woodstock 99, like lineup, like all that shit, like corn and limp biscuit and jewel and bush and or she was like really obsessed with like aerosmith and marilyn manson and nirvana just like any alanis morissette like one of her favorites like all that all that shit from the 90s plus like aerosmith and a couple others but so while i'm listening to rap i'm getting that kind of downloaded into my brain my parents into the classic rock my mom loves the beatles my dad loves the stones they both love led zeppelin and the doors so I guess that's my musical influence. And at a certain point in high school, I bought a video camera. I remember with like the first 500 bucks I made at the job I had, pushing pushing shopping carts at Star Market, dude, the grocery <laughs> store. And uh, my buddy who played in a like pop punk band, he was like, you got a, you got a video camera? I was like, yeah. He's like, want to come to my show and like record my band i was like sure so that was the first like show i went to where they're like pop punk bands playing simultaneously i would go to like the football games on friday night and smoke a lot of weed with my couple of my buddies and one of them was like really into hardcore music so we'd be smoking a joint and like at least by halftime at the latest he'd be like this sucks there's a hardcore show like right across the street on earth is playing and small brown bike is playing let's go over there because i don't know if you know unearth but they're from my city oh, yeah. in mass so uh i was going to like unearth show i was going to these hardcore shows big x's drawn on my hands because i was like yeah. a kid and you know i was scared for my life and i didn't really get it i was just uh, like trying not to get punched in the face you know yeah 
it was a scary scene and yeah in that in boston that's where uh was that where the hardcore crews were like fsu and stuff or was that a different city no you're you're right like uh later on when i got more into the scene and my buddy was putting on shows and i was like there was a uh, the salem elks club we were putting on shows all the time and fsu used to come around or they said they were fsu i don't know right we we had people in south carolina that said they were fsu so you know i think it just became a thing to say but it did like start in boston i think and those people ruined shows like we had a really awesome thing going on we had six shows like every weekend or every other weekend in salem and these dudes just started coming around and just like they would pick up someone's snare drum and like throw it on the ground and my buddy'd be like, fuck you. And he didn't care. He was like, this dude was badass. My dude, Denny, dude. He would fight anyone. He didn't give a Denny fuck. sounds like it. He's one of my <laughs> good friends till this day. But like back then, yeah, it was like, I'm glad this guy likes me, you know? Cause right. he he would have done anything. Nobody really fucked with me because I'm good at like getting I would I just get along with everyone for the yeah, most part. Same. Same. You know? Um I just try to like make make people laugh and you know. I think people maybe look me in the eyes and they're like, this guy, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's white yeah. privilege. Maybe it's both. You know, I, you know, but, um, so I don't know. People didn't really fuck with me too much, but it was still like scary when that shit started happening. I just kind of distanced myself, you know? Yeah. So pretty similar. I have a sister that was three years older. And so my, my deal was, uh, riding to school her and her best friend and they were listening to social distortion cassettes and then um uh element 101 is that it with the female singer and uh then like the um like hellfest discs and beloved and my sister took me to my first show when i was 15 and it was beloved i love um beloved and I, you know, I showed up in sandals, you know, and like, I didn't know what was going on. And yes, I was terrified. That was the first thing was like, oh, this is awesome and scary and fun. And yeah, just trying not to get windmilled in the face. And totally. shows, shows were so, and yeah, we had, you know, we had our um, VW hall where all the, all the local shows, shows were, we, we even had like the standard, like they're really used to be like straight up sharks first jets. Like we would have like, uh, you know, jock crowd dudes come in and like start shit with the punks and then like the hardcore, the crew around in South Carolina, they all wore pink bandanas for some reason. They were from Myrtle Beach and everybody fucking hated them, right? And whenever they <laughs> showed up, shit was going down and it was this Damn. weird, um, this weird subculture that like, I'm not sure that kind of thing really goes on anymore. Like, I guess it does, but I don't know how much of that was like grandfathered down. Like it, one thing I will say, maybe, and maybe you can shoot this down, but it does with, with the younger generation, it seems like there's way more tiny insular pockets of groups as opposed to like, a large shared culture i don't know it doesn't seem as like unified as it as it was back back in you know the early 2000s mid 2000s you know i'm not really sure i guess i i really stayed out of all that shit um like i remember when those fsu kids were like coming through the salem shows to like fuck with that or if i'm at or if i'd be at a show and would see like someone who just I think is maybe troublesome, 
you know, you just keep an eye on them and keep your distance. I don't know if that's what you mean. If you mean like troublesome kind of like conflicts or just like, or just, you know, gangs of people in general, like, uh, and being clicky, but not violent. I'm not sure exactly what you meant. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I meant more, um, just like the, the scene subculture in general. Um, it might not have been a complete thought, but, uh, more, it's kind of some, uh, old man yells at cloud stuff like these kids today they don't have the same scene as i grew up in where it was like we all it is i, I, I remember always, when music was music well so this is what's funny too so this is this is an observation i've seen, and i think it's a good thing because there's much less i guess there's more of an acceptance of everybody's musical taste and there's much less hate as there used to be um but so Bands like, let's say, 18 Visions, uh, even like Poison the Well, Under Oath. Um, back in the day, Hope's Fall, people like the there were bands that were cool to like, and there were bands that got absolutely shit on. Like when Under Oath came out with They're Only Chasing Safety, people in in the scene where I was from were like those poser MFers, like you can't listen to them anymore. And Hope's Fall, because they all change members. So Everybody around us called them the Hope's Fall cover band. But it was like all this hate towards certain bands. And they like really faded out. But now they've come back and everyone has put on these nostalgia glasses. And they're like, no, nah, man, I loved them the whole time. This is my favorite right. band of all time. And it's good for them and it's cool. But it's just been, I'm just like, man, y'all, uh, I remember when you absolutely hated them or hated them on, you know, uh, public forums or whatever i don't know that's just a funny thing i've seen no a lot of people are like that but you know truthfully i've always just kind of ignored all that that's all like noise i don't really like get into drama usually i don't really care like even like uh i was just thinking about this recently like uh you know talking about clicks or just the scene and what people like war and stuff like that like uh the fa there, there's a huge fashion element to all of this with any Absolutely. like any culture right there's always i always was just a kid who wore like jeans and a fucking t-shirt and a hat and a, like a baseball hat and if it's cold a hoodie or if it's warm shorts i never you know i never did the makeup or the hair or the i don't know like i never the nautical star tattoo i was right uh I, I was never i mean i have a lot of tattoos but i was never like fashionable for better or for worse mm -hmm. i never considered myself in, like in any particular click or scene like to me it's all love and it's all like i just really i'm there for the music first and foremost and i sure i am drawn to good energy so i'll talk i mean I, i'm i'm, I'm kind of like dumb like honestly i'm kind of slow and ignorant <laughs> again for better or for worse yeah. like, i don't really look at what people wear i don't really care i don't give a fuck you know i might like if someone's wearing a like t-shirt of a band i like oh, oh sick shirt you know but yeah i just i don't know i just kind of i don't know why well, it's, it's not even well, a conscious thing necessarily sometimes maybe maybe as i get older i'll be like oh it's a nice jacket like or something like that uh, I just started looking at people's shoes very recently. <laughs> like, you know, I never even looked at people's <laughs> shoes before. So, like, I'm kind of oblivious. Um, I'm, like, I'm kind of slow, if, 
I don't know. Well, you're just just making me out to be the superficial asshole. I see how you're doing, but I'm just kidding. Ah, geez, I'm, kidding. I'm, I'm kidding, well, bro. No, it's uh, funny, but no, and I'm, I kind of, I don't know. Maybe I missed out on something. You know, like that. That's all I mean by it, though. You know, no, like, I, I totally get what you're saying. I'm just I totally for the music. I went to a lot of hardcore shows. I went to a lot of emo shows or pop punk shows, or you know, and you know what? Though I don't think that that's just me because one beautiful thing about boston like three bands that came up together was converge caven and piebald they're all from adjacent towns and i mean converge i think really started a big thing and if it weren't for kurt blue and converge there wouldn't be piebald there wouldn't be caven and there probably wouldn't be 10 yard fight or bane you know what i mean um so but all those bands all played shows together all the time uh and those are all very different bands you know what i mean yeah if you put an umbrella over it you know and you're not like in it then like if you're my parents or something it might all be the same shit the but, same yeah but no they're they're very very different bands but all very different and that's what's a beautiful thing about like furnace fest is you know like when furnace fest uh re the rebirth in 2021 like or just the last three years that it's been back all these bands have played well not 10 year fight but maybe next year um but all these bands and all the bands you named yeah like hopes fall it's great yeah under oath like all all these bands we're talking about have played furnace fest in the last three years pretty much which is well, so this so i went to uh we went and saw manchester orchestra recently and love them Oh, they God, played I love uh, Furnace Fest last year. Yeah, and I, I couldn't go last year, and I was so bummed. But um, so when, when did you go? So I went every year, but last year I actually so uh, I got to uh, Capra. You ever heard of that band? I love Capra. Oh, so I did the the guest vocals on the song Mutt, and so I got to do that there from Lafayette. Sick. So yeah. yeah, so me and Tyler are buddies, and so I got to do that song at Furnace Fest this year. It was fucking awesome this Great. past year oh yeah. see, i didn't even fucking know they got at it it was like super it was last a, minute it was super last minute super and i talked to minute. tyler i talked to tyler because we've become homies like on the socials and we talk and actually crow's coming up was supposed to come on my podcast i gotta follow up on that but um i love that band i love their new record and you do look familiar i wonder if we like it's so possible maybe cross paths because it's I've been, so possible i've been there all three years and pieball did 21 and 23 but i went in 22 as well i think that was the one you said you missed though yeah but um i was there all weekend this year and um yeah man uh, it's my favorite festival it's so sick. yeah what you were saying something though i cut you off. yeah so um we were watching manchester orchestra and my parents had recently gone to see i think the eagles or something and so it made me think i was like so oh it was the manchester jimmy e world uh tour yeah and god jimmy nashville uh uh houston oh and holy shit does jimmy e world still got it but Mm. so i was thinking i was like so what bands uh, well i had so i just had a daughter and i was having i saw this is this was the line of thinking uh in front of me and thank you very much in front of me was a older man and his teenage son and it was very obvious that this guy, like he was our age, but he was introducing his son to his favorite band, Jimmy E. World, right? First concert. 
And yeah. I was thinking like, okay, so what, what bands would I, would we still be going to see when we're 50, 60 years old that are on there? Like, am I going to go see like converge like when i'm 60 you know are they gonna have their like tours like the eagles do like i'm beginning to think they might i mean like these bands are still going so maybe so but like what do you think like what do you think will be the legacy acts that we're seeing when we are like 65 years old 50 years i just got like crazy goosebumps right now uh that happens a lot when i talk about stuff like this uh yeah it's everything to me and i've been thinking a lot about this myself and asking this same question to these musicians on my podcast like a vinnie caruana of the movie live or or like you know people like that because this shit is here to stay and right now hardcore emo punk again the scene it's bigger than it ever was look at this thing behind me when we were young I was just there with like the front bottoms and 80,000 people two days in a row sold out. Yeah. What happened? They announced the third year in a row sold out right away. Two days. Like this shit is here to stay. And you know, it's not like hair metal or, or whatever. Like so we're, and we're, we're entering classic rock territory. You're right. Which as far as wild legacy acts, you know, um, Blink-182, I think, is obvious. Yep. Green, Green Day, Weezer, um, Modest Mouse. Yeah. God, yeah, they're they're already 25 years old. And, you know, I had one of the dudes, um, Simon, he plays in Modest Mouse now. He joined the band, like, last year, but he is in that band, plays guitar. Um, and it was one of my favorite interviews because... It was cool to just hear like i don't know like they kind of started out as a hardcore band you know um yeah they're early there i watched some videos of uh like early shows like vhs shows from like the lonesome crowded west and like they were probably uh a little a little help from some amphetamines but they were like a thrashy like almost speed like it was fast tempo like really raw like some super it was badass. Yeah, I said hardcore. That's the wrong word. But I, I guess what I mean by that is they started out the same as any other band yes. that we're talking about did. You know, they just got together as friends and they jammed and they figured it out together. And they, they're like, they're kind of fucking punk rock, you know? Very. Um, who else put me on the spot here? Probably Jimmy Eat World. Uh, oh, probably absolutely. Manchester Orchestra for definitely, sure. Definitely, definitely. Uh, the Front Bottoms, I toured with them. They're n- like newer compared to some of the bands that we're talking about, but they started in, well, I mean, they've been around for a while now. They've been around for like 15 years or so. Yeah. So, you Taking know, they're back Sunday, as I see behind you. But dude, I just played, or I, I just did Red Rocks with the Front Bottoms. Like that was. That's wild. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, Every, almost every show we did was sold out two to four thousand ca- dashboard confessional yeah newfound glory you're talking legacy acts and newfound glory is so good um they know how to sustain they're very smart business people that their merch game is like 
they could teach you a fucking master class on that shit because they just know how to do it. The get up kids have always sustained. Like I'm I'm actually recording an interview with Matt Pryor tomorrow. That dude's a full time musician. So- that's, so that's what I was going to ask. So you, uh, this is what I've always been curious about. And it's my favorite um, subject when it comes up. Shane Blay uh, from O Sleeper did a great post one time about exactly. He did a breakdown of like how much a mid-level metalcore band makes like per show. So I've always wondered like, so acts like Piebald, Get Up Kids. Um, I mean, Jimmy World's obvious, but like what, what bands are strictly doing this full-time to where like they are financially successful enough that they can do that full-time and how many or like what bands would would be surprising to hear that they're not that they can't that they still have to have other day jobs well i think what gets maybe complicated and i can't really speak for like many bands other than the one i'm closest to which is piebald sure and you know, I mean, they all have, like, Travis lives in New Orleans. Aaron lives in Los Angeles. The other two live up in here, up in New England here with me. And, but they all have a wife and kids, and they took a hiatus for a bit and just kind of went their own ways. And now it's more just, like, a hobby. And they all remain best friends. So when we come through this beautiful era that we were just talking about where I mean, this stuff is bigger than ever. So when Furnace Fest comes in and they, they're like, we want Piebald to play. And Dashboard Confessional hits us up and they're like, we're going on tour. We want you to open. and Or Newfound Glory or Thursday or, you know, Front Bottoms or The Movie Life hits us up and they're like, we want you to like do some shows with us. It's, it's um, more of a special thing. And yeah, yeah. I think there was a time in their life. I know there was because, like I said, I'm editing this episode with Travis right now. And I asked him a similar question, you know, and he's like, there was a time in my life where I like my late teens and through my 20s, I I thought I was just always going to be doing this and it would all work out. And um, but he's like, I was, you know, kind of naive. And now we all have kids and wives and other priorities. And now it's just a special thing because we're all still best friends so we do it when we can but i don't think we can put any more time into it than we are but th- sure. they are still doing you know they're still writing new songs they're still we're still doing shows we're still doing tours and we got an offer a potential a feeler offer for one a big tour next year that i hope works out but that happened that's happened a couple times over the last um a couple of years and it didn't work out or it has worked out like i said we went out with dashboard uh, a couple of years ago and it was incredible so i'm always just grateful for whatever it is that comes along especially where like their last show ever was 2008 you know that was before i toured wow. with them wow yeah you know what i mean but yeah. like they that was when they broke up and then you know it turned into just a hiatus not a breakup and you know and with Spotify and all that stuff, the internet, and like you mentioned, people bringing their kids to shows. Like I love working the merch table, and someone will be like, some like dad will come up and be like, hey, this is Samantha, and it's like her first concert ever, because that dad loves fucking Piebald. Mom and dad love Piebald, and they brought Samantha, 
and they're like, "What's the smallest shirt you got? I gotta get like my I gotta get one Aww. for Samantha here." You know what I mean? That I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a yeah, and I'm sure I bet that that does it. Really, probably is just the greatest thing ever because it's at this point a lot of people are probably settled enough in their careers and families that they have a little bit more time now to do this as like a vacation and hobby. And it's probably just the greatest thing ever. And like there, there's more fans than ever. There's more support than ever. And you don't have the pressure of if this tour falls through, then I'm destitute. It's like, okay, you know, whatever. We'll catch, we'll catch the next one. Like totally. It, it's, it is a, it is a, it is a crazy awesome time to be a fan uh, to be someone in in bands and to be a fan of this music it's really a beautiful thing and you know i really think that i'm getting goosebumps again i think i've said this a lot recently i think the warp tour maybe single-handedly the most important thing to happen to the scene if you think about i mean that thing ran for over 20 years and if you, every band has done it at least once, if not the full tour, some dates or, and like, that's where you would mix, like, cause they would have those barbecues. I've had Kevin Lyman on the podcast, you know, and that's where like less than Jake maybe is sitting there eating lunch next to my chemical romance at that barbecue or dinner, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it just became this, this one. That's, I think that's a big reason why there's an um, umbrella over the whole scene and, and just so many connections made uh, on on that tour. So many kids. I mean, have you been to Warp Tour? I, I went to a bunch. Oh of yeah, them. absolutely. You know what I mean? Think about it. Like how big of a deal that was. Hundred and ten you know? degrees on black asphalt in Houston, Texas. Yeah, in July. Absolutely, dude. It's right a traveling passage. circus, and it's really a miracle if you think about. Like how the fuck? Yeah, it is a miracle. Did eighty bands every year? It was like eighty to. 100 i think it was like 80 bands every year like the the fact that you know sometimes vans would break down and shit but the fact that that they would make it to the next city every day yeah it's it's, it's wild like the logistics miracle. alone is a miracle any tour man any tour it, if you think about it like just take one tour take one tour with like four bands uh I'll, here's an example right I toured with the story so far last year. It was the story so far, Joyce Manor, Mom Jeans, Microwave. All right. Uh, story, nice. Story, oh, it was the best. It was the best, best bill ever. Joyce Manor is my favorite band now since then, but I love all those bands and all those people and their crew. Um, but story so far, you had a bus with a trailer, a box truck. Joyce Manor had two different vehicles. Mom Jeans had a van and trailer, and then Microwave had their vehicle. Just just that alone, the fact that those every show, a full U.S. tour, you know, month and a half, the fact that it, they you make it there every day, it's kind of wild to think about, especially like we drove through like a snowstorm. I remember driving from like fucking first show, Salt Lake City, before we even leave, we're loaded out snowstorm and I had to drive box truck with the story so far as gear. From Salt Lake to Keystone Mountain, which is south of Denver, we we're doing um, a private gig with like Ludacris. It was pretty sick. <laughs> what? Uh, well, like yeah, a, cor was, a corporate thing or like some yeah, rich like, person's party? It was, uh, you know, Zoomies, like the skate company. Uh, yeah. It was their employee party. 
and that's they, awesome they throw this like rager of a party uh every year for their like top sellers top employees and stuff so it was oh, like, that's, that's awesome it was sick dude they like it was at some hotel like in the big function room so like there was just some makeshift stage but like yeah ludicrous headlined story so far we played right before mom jeans was there they built, built like skate ramps and shit it was all it was like really sick dude. yeah was, that sounds awesome like it was like it's corporate but you could tell like they oh yeah I'm sure, yeah people kind of thing like and uh yeah so on that drive man it, like it was supposed to be a nine-hour drive uh i don't know if you know the 70 uh it connects there's this there's two ways you could take that, that connect like salt lake and denver two main routes it's either the 80 or the 70 they both suck very treacherous you're driving through all these passes you know the veil pass and all these different you're driving by all these ski mountains you're driving up and down mountains dude and uh it's an infamous road like a lot of bands have yeah they're their vans and mom jeans skidded off the road on that one um like there's been a lot of high profile wrecks like silent planet is the most or no the the um or the uh you're the knife you're the knife yes yeah dude that's sad like fucking brutal uh that was a really 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 tough one um maddie she's our and i think she's already she's back i the last side which was wild yeah but you know that shit's just horrific you know oh yeah yeah and it hits i mean you hate to see it with anyone but it it hits closer to home i think you know when it's like you know that was a hardcore band like unearth had just toured with them you know i was just talking to buzz on the podcast and he was like, yeah, we just finished touring with Year of the Knife. And a couple of months later, that shit happened. And, um, it's just horrific. You know, your yeah. life's never the same. Like, uh, no. you know, I'm like, I broke my fucking collarbone this year and I'm, I'm still all fucked up from that. So I can't even. And then I think of something like that and I'm like, I'm being a bitch. Look what this or Dallas Taylor. I've had him on the podcast. You know, oh, what my him? God. Yeah. Like, how the fuck is yeah. that guy like fucking i don't get know. through every never never mind day to day like minute to minute that guy is struggling dude struggling and it's uh it's, i don't under i don't understand how he played shows again still yeah he did a few festivals this year yeah I mean, the guy's an inspiration he's he's a special dude he is that, you know it's i think that's a big part of it you know uh i think it's just certain mindsets i really i mean i'm i'm not i i think this you're like a religious guy i'm not but i do believe in like that that's funny that's what i was about to ask spiritual power i believe in that um i believe in something i just don't know what you know sure um but i just didn't grow up religious so i don't have like a religion at all but i uh i don't know man but people like dallas make you (laughs) give you uh, for me even for even like yeah i still it's not like i have anybody that says they have like rock solid answers for anything is is lying so it's like people like that are so refreshing to me because it's like holy i guess the people that want to know what we're talking about he he had a horrendous uh was it atv horrific horrific atv accident the this was in 2016 and he he was like a real wild dude he didn't have a helmet on and he was riding somewhere in the fucking woods and the, got in an accident. The ATV landed on his head. And I mean, he should have died. That's yeah. what the doctor said. And like, I, I forget. It's, if you dig into his Instagram posts, 
and you just go by date, you can go and it, it'll read off all the injuries that he experienced. And you, it's, like, your, yeah. your jaw will drop lower and lower as you read it. Uh, and they're still finding out more shit. Like, they recently found out some problems with his back that they hadn't initially um, figured out. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was like got, it was like down to like he, he couldn't put, blink, so he had to like do his eye drops, or he would lose his eyes, like that type of thing. Dude, he he broke everything basically, yeah. like pretty much. And, like he broke a bunch of bones in his face. Yeah, I mean they had to like I think like rewire his jaw, and yeah, his eye, his like his eye fucking sockets and his cheekbone, like everything in his face broke. Um, you know he's and, yeah he's all the, fucked up, dude. And then he'll, and then he'll, like, I, on on Bad Christian, I heard him just break down sobbing, talking about gratitude to God, and just like that sort of stuff. Just like, wow, man, like, oh, I didn't. Okay, I, I didn't hear that episode. A lot of times when you should I, go back and listen to that. I think it was the, I think it I was should. the first podcast he did since. I think it was okay. the. I want to say that. Don't hold me to it. But so this would be like three or four years ago. Um, you should. It's great. I anybody. I will. Go Honestly, check that out. Typically, when if there's a guest I think I could can get or I want to get, sometimes I don't want to hear them on other podcasts. Sure. Um, just because I just don't want anything, even like subconsciously, to like influence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I've heard comedians say like I'm a big Bill Burr fan, and I've heard him say he doesn't like watching other comics when he's trying to do his thing because he doesn't want like they're set to somehow get in his brain and him somehow like take this totally. stuff without realizing. Does it make sense? I don't, I don't, uh, it makes, I don't know. Dude, it makes absolute sense. I mean, but I'm an, I'm an artist and it's, that's another reason why social media is screwing me up because the more <laughs> I, I compare and look at Instagram artists, the less yes. I, I, then I, I'm just like, well, what am I even doing? Which but is I will a, say, a terrible way to look at it. From time to time though, I will, listen to other podcasts like um bad christian or labeled now whatever it's called now um or i'll listen to like the new scene from keith i think he's great i love the hard lore guys um and i'm just shouting out other podcasts in the scene there's a bunch of good ones great ones but i think um i just try not to listen like when keith from the new scene if he puts out a guest i know i'm not gonna have i'll listen to it if I'm like on the road on tour and want something to listen to, I'll put his podcast on because I love his podcast. I just don't want to, if he got like, I've had Walter Schreifels, but he, he got Walter before me. I didn't listen to that one until after I interviewed Walter Schreifels. You know what Yeah. I mean? You don't want to, to, to infiltrate your, you don't want to ask the same questions or like get biased or anything. Or just, I don't want to, I don't want to not ask this. Like, I don't want to, think about i don't want it to influence me at all yeah like maybe i do ask some of the same questions but i don't i just don't want it in my head oh uh, yeah yeah yeah. because I, I get him i get in my head so like oh like if i listen to it before i if i'm about to interview him and he asks the same question then i'm gonna be like consciously i'm gonna be like don't ask that question which i don't want that either so oh, yeah yeah i just want to do my thing but um i feel well, i started talking about that there was nah, a, you're good well there was a point behind it but uh well, speaking of that, so we got about like 10 minutes left. Like, are there any super memorable wild stories, something? I mean, anything that that sticks out to you from interviewing, from touring, 
from managing, from interviewing that uh, stick out to you? You know, it's a really good question. I think, I guess I'll circle back around to how the podcast started. Yeah. That way, if somebody listens to it, uh, listens to this, I mean, and they dig the vibe, then, you know, here's a little preview, I guess. So you had asked me how I got into the scene and stuff. I had always been a big music fan going to shows. In 2016, when Pieball got back together, uh, I brought a cowbell out to their West Coast dates, and I showed up at Soundcheck with a cowbell and some beers, and uh, they, I don't know, fast forward, like, I ended up being tour manager, you know? So it was kind of, like, crazy how it happened. I was, like, this super fan, you know? Wait, so you didn't know them? Other than going to their shows, no. Okay. Oh, so you, as a fan, you showed up with a cowbell and some beers. Yeah. They knew me. They knew me as, like, a fan because I was... You know, I would say hi to them once in a while, yeah, but I was sure always pretty shy and stuff. I was like Facebook friends with maybe two of them, but they knew me as a fan, like, and that was it. Um, but yeah, I flew out with the cowbell, and there was no cowbell player like opening. You know, I just <laughs> showed up. That's hilarious. And, I mean, that's a short version of it, but yeah, dude, it was funny because they still made me try out at Soundcheck. You know, and <laughs> I've never been more nervous in my life, dude. Like, because since then I've done festivals in front of thousands of people, and uh, I've never been more nervous than when I had to do that tryout. <laughs> I and bet something something worked, you know. I, and I so at the time I had this corporate gig. I was working for Panera Bread. I was overseeing like sixty locations and making great money. I was making six figures, man. You know, so I would use my vacation time, like my paid vacation, to fly out and meet up with Piebald whenever they did, like, because they would only do like a week here, a week there. So I would just save my vacation time for that stuff. And eventually they were like, all right. Because I kept like finding my way to the green room and like without credentials. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, would just, I, I would just, I was a punisher, dude. I'd be like, hey, Travis, tell me about that B side from like 2001. Like, what was that? Oh, He's just man. like trying to show me. But they, they loved me and they were very patient with me. But, you know, I just like wasn't good at reading the room. I'm exaggerating, but that's kind of what it was. No, like. I, I got you. <laughs> and that, that's, that's what they were like. You'd be great at merch. So they put me on merch because, uh, I don't know, there was one tour they needed a merch person and, who better than me, right? Like right. a super fan. So they put me to work there. And then in 2020, we toured with Dashboard and they promoted me to tour manager. And actually right before that, this is how the podcast started. I quit that corporate job because I was miserable. I bought a couple condos while I had the job, rented those out when I quit, moved into my parents' basement and went to Europe like for four months and just traveled all around Europe. And that's how the podcast actually started. It was a travel log. I would be in like, and hence two week notice me quitting my job. Right. I was about to say, that's very clever. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, So uh, it started as a travel log. And then when I came back from Europe was, I don't know, a couple months later, I got promoted to tour manager for that dashboard tour. And then it became like a tour log. You know, I would just go in the van and just talk in them. I would just record for like 20, 30 minutes on my phone. Like, we're in Phoenix today. We're in Austin today. Whatever it was. And I would just talk about the tour. 
And then when the world shut down because of COVID and stuff, I, I was like, I should like interview people like musicians, you know, like, who do I know? And I got Chris Caraba on. That was like a big one, obviously Chris from dashboard and um, kind of snowballed from there. And, you know, since then, I mean, recent guests, I don't know. I've had Ace Enders from the early November. Um, Matt Pryor's coming on tomorrow. That'll be out probably next month. I think when his book comes out, Travis from Piebald will be the next episode, depending on when this comes out. Walter Schreifels, um, Matt, uh, not Matt, sorry. Um, Nick Ham from Citizen or Kevin from The Story So Far, Chase from Joyce Manor, Joey from Coyo. Um, so that, I don't and, know. That's the best way I could probably sell the show. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. no. I was, that's um, that's totally how I figured out how to do it, too, was just parlaying big names to get the bigger. And so you started off with Chris Garaba. That's a great start, dude. I mean, it wasn't the first one, but I got him early on. But I also, like, I'm like, damn, if I if I had him on now, it would be way better. I'm still very proud of that. But early on, though, some of the people we talked about um, getting into that Furnace Fest community, you know, I got Matt Carter. I got um, Joe Mustin from Beloved. I got Andrew Neufeld of Comeback Kid. I got um, a lot of people like uh, Jeff Gretz from Zayo and um, Mike Weiss from Me Without You. That was a big episode. That's awesome. Big, big episode. And the Piebald thing helps too because Piebald toured with Me Without You. I've had Max Bemis from Say Anything. Piebald toured with Say Anything. Um, Piebald. How, how's he? He's awesome. He's yeah. out of his mind, but so am I. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, totally. I That's... could talk, we could go back and forth, like, until the sun comes up, you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, I, I, that was a big deal for me, um, that one in particular. Or I had Aaron David Tate from Minus the Bear a couple times, Piebald Tour with Minus the Bear. So when I reach out to these people, Tucker from Thursday, um, Cyrus from Newfound Glory, these are some big names. But all these bands and people, they're, they're bands I've been a fan of forever. So yeah. the fact you're, you're, that it's a dream come true, man, honestly. Yes, like, you're doing uh, it right because you're doing it, yeah. I mean, for yourself, essentially. I mean, you're, you're, you're getting to have the conversations you want to have, which is, boom, is what you, that's, that's, that's the dream. It's, it's like, and people, people respond to that because you're not just like, oh, today I've got, let me check my notes. Uh you know yeah, yeah jerry whoever so what band are you from you know it's like yeah you you are you're totally yeah it's great man like awesome. genuinely if no one were listening to these conversations i would still be like holy shit you know i just talked to connor from boys night out for an hour and a half and i have a new friend now so yes yes i mean and that is yeah that yeah, I think that's that, kind of what you're saying, right? That, that's oh, yeah, true. yeah. That's right. and that's people have asked me before what, how to start a podcast, start a podcast and keep it going. I've been doing this for this is my seventh year, and so Damn. yeah, uh, and so the answer to that is you have to you have to do it if nobody would listen. Like that's the you have to do it for yourself. Like it, not in a selfish way, but if yeah, if you're doing this to try to get listeners it's not gonna work it's not just gonna like work out. just like music or any type of art you're doing it for you that's, as a creation yeah as yeah, a creative thing 100 percent. that's why and, and you know people can say why they're doing it or why they're not doing it but you know 
the the truth will always bleed through you know what i mean people yeah. can pick up on that sincerity you know yes. without even without even trying to you, you can just tell when someone's sincere for the most part you know absolutely especially uh, with art i think yeah people people are intuitive people sometimes we don't give people enough credit people can feel that stuff totally. uh but dana man thanks for thanks for coming on man this this was super rad and i will uh we will. So I'm going to when we were young and I think I'm, I already got tickets to Furnace Fest, but I have a baby now. So I'm going to try to go to both, but I will go to one of them. So we got to meet up, man, for sure. Dude, Jed, uh, thank you so much. I don't even know yet if I'm going to either. Uh, I haven't missed a Furnace Fest yet. And, but between the two and my history with Furnace Fest, I hope I can go to one or both of them. Uh, nice. Either way, it's been an honor and a pleasure talking to you, meeting you. Uh, it's cool. We have some mutual connections, man. That's yeah. We're both doing the thing. Um, thanks for having me on the show. You know, yeah. I, I never understand why people want to talk to me. I'm not, I'm just a fucking guy who sells shirts and drives a truck for the most part, but I, I, I appreciate the platform and, um, yeah, everything. And congrats on your new baby. That's exciting. Thank you. Thank you. And be sure to check out two week notice wherever you listen to podcasts. Send me an email, churchandotherdrugs at gmail.com. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash churchandotherdrugs. And we'll see y'all next time. Thank you, brother. Really appreciate it.